Hello and welcome to the latest edition of This AFL Life. I'm Alison Smirnoff and I'm joined by Julia Kiera. Welcome. Hi everyone. So we're just days away from this brand new season. Excitement levels are... Peaking. Peaking. <laughs> Peak excitement. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag elite. <laughs> As our friend Meg Mac would say. Mm. So we... Uh, we happened to, to catch a couple of uh, practice games over the last week or so. The first one being Carlton versus Melbourne at Icon Park. What did you make of that game? Yeah, look, it was um, it was a great crowd and mm. it was a lovely morning. The game itself, you know, was very contested, yeah. um, especially for those first three quarters. It was very defensive. You saw kind of both teams trying to do this 16-woman press mm. where, you know, the, you know, one team would flood forward, the, you know, 50-metre arc would be empty and then the ball would get turned over and we'd flood back and the opposite 50-metre <laughs> arc would be empty and then we'd flood forward and flood back. It was, v- like, it was very contested and hard at it and so on, but um, it was pretty low scoring those first three games, those first three quarters, excuse me, and then um, that last quarter, Carlton really broke it open and I think they yeah. kicked... I think it was, like, six goals or something mm, in the yeah. last quarter to yeah. just kind of run over the top. It was... um. Hosking kind of broke the lines mm. through the middle of the ground, got it over to Darcy, who got it over the top again, and they scored. And then it was like the penny drop for them. They yeah. they worked out how to how, how to, to beat it. them. Yeah, yeah. And look, co-host Darcy certainly um, mm. showed some flair. Showed she did. why showed why she's perhaps been picked as a marquee. She yes. she did kick a lovely snap at the Royal Parade end, which we which yes, we were we, close well, to. Yes, we appreciated that. Mm. Yes, and that was kind of. You know, that was right at the beginning of the game, you know, and had this really exciting moment where she got she got the ball quickly and snapped the goal. But then after that, there, there just didn't seem to be those opportunities for ages and ages. Mm. What did you think of Melbourne? Well, I think they I think they moved the ball well. Mm. Um, they probably just didn't use the space quite enough. Mm. But I think in terms of getting something out of that game, I think Melbourne will get a lot out of that game. Oh, yeah. I felt and reading some of the commentary and articles afterwards that you know perhaps this is going to be corrected and this is known already but I did feel like Melbourne weren't really putting anyone in the forward line who is a key forward mm. you know I, I read afterwards that they they were rotated a lot of players through and they were putting players in different positions and using it as a practice, practice match you know match, where yeah. you can just really experiment and not worry too much about that. But it did seem like whenever they did win the ball through the centre or on half back that they would then be kicking towards a few players who just didn't quite look like they were assured forwards. You know, they weren't leading straight up. They, they didn't really quite have that structure. Mm, I might just be talking to a few occasions that really sp- stood out to me, yeah. but that's what I got. I didn't feel like there was a full forward or centre-half forward who was like, yep, I'm leading straight up the ground, hard lead, kick it to me. Yeah. I didn't really see that. There's a few kind of leads to the pocket, weren't there? Yeah. But I think also um, a key player for them, Lauren Pierce, didn't play. Yeah. She's their number one ruck. Mm. Um, she normally hits the scoreboard when she rests forward as well, but um, but because she wasn't playing, Cordner and and Maddie Boyd were rucking, um, mm. and I think you would find that that Maddie Boyd might actually play that key forward yeah. role rather than rather than ruck. Mm. Um, yes, interesting, interesting game. Yeah, it was an interesting game, and but that last quarter really, you know, you thought, wow, if if this is what it's going to be like, mm. it's going to get a lot of people excited, us included. Um, 
because the goals were great the movement was really quick you know there were a few where they just took it from one end to the other and scored really Mm. quickly and um yeah it's great to watch yeah but those first three quarters you did get the sense that people were a bit nervous weren't quite settling in into how i guess they'd want to play you know coughing the ball up a bit too quickly and yeah just a bit of nerves i hope yeah and it's good that they get to play a practice match on you know the the grounds they're going to be playing on yeah um so hopefully you kind of shake out those nerves in that in those games Mm. it was still quite a bruising game even for a practice match Mm. Uh, speaking to a couple of the players afterwards they were quite um quite sore it was Mm. it was a very it was a tough contested game i think that's how I think that's how Carlton are going to play. Yeah. But um, but those players like like Bree Davy, Katie Loins, mm. Audley, you know, they all kind of they're those kind of tough contested players. I think that's definitely going to be Carlton's style. Yeah, it was good to see former guest Katie Loins out there. Yeah, it was fantastic. First game in a while for her, and she did a huge hip and shoulder in the first few minutes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was great. She got through that game unscathed. Yeah, and it was quite a crowd. Perhaps that the crowd that came to that. You know, practice match. It was a Saturday morning at ten thirty. Mm. There was quite a crowd there, and then a few days later, what did we find out, Al? Well, they announced a change of venue from Olympic Park Oval to Icon Park for the opening game of the inaugural season, Carlton v Collingwood Friday night. I think it makes perfect sense. And to his credit, Simon Lethleen was at the practice match on the Saturday, and he obviously witnessed a pretty pretty hefty crowd for for a game that wasn't really advertised at all no no not at all i think you know i barely just saw it you know yeah. barely saw it on on you know maybe melbourne advertised it yeah yeah I, but yeah i think it makes it makes perfect sense especially after having watched a game now at um olympic park oval mm. just for comfort of yep. the crowd having um a stadium to actually sit in i think yep. um especially for that first showpiece Friday night game live on Channel 7. You just, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it makes sense. Oh, definitely. I just yep. hope I just hope that they solve the lighting issue. I, I did read that they're going to bring in some temporary lights. Mm. I just hope, yes, I just hope that they're a good standard. Well, still daylight savings in yeah, it. That's true. <laughs> Should we rock? Should we rock? <laughs> Most of those girls are used to training under like torches in the <laughs> yeah. winter season. <laughs> car, car headlights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, there'll be some sun out for the first hour and the last hour we're just going to kick it really low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to the Collingwood v Western Bulldogs practice match. What did you What did you make of that game? Well, that was great. It was a beautiful night. Mm, it was stunning. Um, you know, the uh, Australian Open's happening across the road. There were quite a few people there, but probably not as many as the the Carlton game. Mm. It is a bit of more of an awkward spot to get to, and especially because there is so much stuff happening around that centre. I reckon that probably yeah. put people off just driving in there. Yeah, there was an Aperol Spritz fan that was exciting. It was very exciting. Yeah. So look, for me, it was quite exciting to see Collingwood and a lot of their players. You know, their their marquee players and a few of their bigger names have got a bit of press, but um. You know, there were lots of players who got heaps of the ball that I hadn't really thought about going yeah. into it. Sarah Darcy. She was fabulous. She was fabulous. Like, she was almost best on ground for me. Mm. Um, or just in terms of the impact that she had. Yeah. She got a lot of clean possessions. She's a left footer, so, you know, you just feel like she unsettles her opponent a little bit. Mm. 
Um, and it was just great to see her really having a starring role. She's played footy for quite a long time. She's only young, 26 or 27, youngish in the women's <laughs> football terms. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, she's, she's someone who, you know, four or five years ago was really a star on the rise in, in um, the VWFL and then perhaps has been a bit quieter since then. Mm. To me, it looked like a pre-season in the AFLW system has really paid off for her. Um, And it was great. I really liked watching her. She's a great footballer to watch. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to her season. Who else stood out to you? Um, Well, in the first um, five minutes of the game, uh, Elise Gamble for for the Western Bulldogs took about four contested pack marks in a row. Just... Clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's um, she's only really young. I think she's only 18 or 19. Um, those kind of exciting key forward types, just, mm. yeah, I, I love to watch. And I think if you were only vaguely familiar with players, you'd be like, oh, Katie Brand's taking a few marks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no, not no, her. Not Katie Brand. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was great. Yeah. But Hannah Scott also. Um, playing playing in the back line actually, mm. um, I'm quite used to seeing her play on the ball. But she's just um, just an amazing penetrating kick, and she's she's quick and and loves a contested ball as well. She was I thought she played really well. Yeah, definitely. Um, co-host Astro Connor, yes. first game back for a long time. Yep, got through it unscathed. Um, was playing probably a centre half back type of position. Yep. Um, she did very well, I think. Yeah, for yeah, she's missed a lot of footy. Mm. Um, no doubt, would have had a few nerves mm. going in, I would say. But to get through unscathed, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely wrapped for her. Yeah, and she, you know, I think she plays that vol- role very well, where she can fill the space going forward because she is such an imposing mark. Mm. Um, so if you know, and her opposition are trying to get the ball into the forward line or get clear the ball out of half back. She can really fill up that space and she'll either take the mark or get to the next contest and impose it. There is a lovely, if you follow Cameron Grimes, a photographer on Instagram, there is a lovely picture of Asta uh, in full swing doing her best Taylor Harris. Yes. <laughs> it is, as you said earlier, peak Asta. It is peak Asta. Yes, that is Asta O'Connor um, so, kicking action. Yes, yeah, so was, that was nice to see. A, a Collingwood defender that I, again, had not heard of that um, got a lot of the ball and looked very confident and imposing was Stacey Livingston mm. of um, Port Melbourne Colts. I, I um, again, never had never seen her play. She plays in the lower division in the VWFL. And, yeah, she got a lot of the ball. Mm. She took took on KB a, a few times and, um, yeah, did pretty well. She's got a bit of the Dustin Fletchers about yes. her. Yeah, she, she does. She, and she's, yeah, she's very, um, very tall and got those kind of, Go go gadget arms, mm. yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. Being able to, you know, um, just see some of these other girls. You know, you, you you hear a lot about the marquees and the priority picks and all that, but um, you know, these lists are deep, and mm. we're seeing it. Yeah, we're seeing it now, and they're getting a chance to put on a show. Yes, um, but in, in this game, also we we saw a bit of a, a press being mm. applied by, by each team as well, yeah. um, having, you know, the vacant forward lines. Do you think it's going to be a bit of a pattern in this league? Unfortunately, I think it is. Mm. There's my editorial. Yeah. Um, it does seem that we're getting coaches that are from the AFL system who are bringing the press in to the women's game. I don't – I'm not convinced. Mm. I think it makes for pretty bruising footy yep. that's not necessarily high scoring. Mm. 
and might not necessarily be something that these girls are used to and they've no. had to kind of um, get hold of it in the last two months, three months. Um, you know, that game was also low scoring and it was similar to that Melbourne Carlton game in that, you know, a, the, a team would press up, they will leave their forward line empty and then when the turnover happens, there's no one in the forward line. Mm. There's no one in the forward line and, and you know, we see in men's footy that a forward will flood back. Someone will have will have got back to be that one person out yep. to, to run onto the ball and kick a goal. But we weren't seeing that. Mm. I think we saw it once actually with Roden. Yes. Um, yeah. But couldn't quite get on. You know, she had done that. She'd, she'd found the space, but she couldn't quite hang on to it to um to win that one-on-one contest, I think, with Hannah Scott yeah. and get the goal. So I'm not convinced. You know, they brought in this 16-player rule, but yeah. they didn't bring in the density rule. Which, yeah, which is the next point I was going to make. So they... They brought in the 16-a-side rule to open up the game, make it more free-flowing and higher scoring. Mm. And yet, all the teams so far, you couldn't really tell from the Adelaide Frio game because it was on TV, but all the teams I've watched live, they, they seem to be to, to be using a press. Mm. I just I wouldn't be surprised if there's an adjustment to the rules yeah. at some point, whether it's after the season or during or just before. Um, well, they've got a week. Yes. <laughs> well, a few a few days. A few by the time days this goes to air. But look, and and this might just be my lack of footy smarts, but I feel like you've got you've you've put in sixteen players to make it to give it more space and make it more free flowing. But then when you play a press, there's two players less on the field. Mm. There's two players less that are sharing the load. Mm-hmm. So a press, you need your endurance and your um, being able to have second, third, fourth efforts where you're sprinting. The fourth yes. effort is a sprint yep. and you've got two players less on the field. Mm. I can't see it achieving what the AFL wants to achieve if you've then got coaches putting in the press. Yep. It's kind of counteracting it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think, you know, the o- the audience that are coming along, you know, are really excited about it and but they still want to see lots of goals scored. Yes, yeah. Because that's footy, you know. Yeah. If they if they didn't mm. want that, they'd be watching. Mm. I mean, because I I don't mind watching contested footy. Mm. You know, I'm a footy diehard. You know, mm. I I love watching a contested game. But the flip side is they want this league to take off and mm. they want it to be watchable. Yeah. It's gonna. They're gonna need to kick more goals. No. And look, we spoke to someone at the game who posed the question. Do we need to compare it to the men's game? Mm, no. And I don't think we do. No. I don't think we do at all. But no. we've watched a lot of women's footy and we know what it looks like. And mm. so when we watch these AFL women's games, they look so slick and polished in comparison to what happens at community level on a mud pit. But the reality is a lot of people will just, even if they don't want to compare it, they're just going to do it instinctively. Mm. And um, it will it will seem more contested. It will seem quite blocked up. Um, and low scoring, and if that detracts from their enthusiasm for the game, well, that that's a shame. Mm. Well, watch this space. Mm. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. <laughs> now, JC, mm. I want to talk to you about the boob rule. Oh. <laughs> you mean the nipple cripple rule? <laughs> <laughs> so, just for a bit of context for those that don't know what I'm talking about, on the 19th of January, an article popped up on the AFL we- website. With the headline, exclusive, in capitals. Headline says, chest area to be sacrosanct in AFLW. Opening paragraph. The chest area will be treated the same 
as the head and groin in the new NAB AFL women's competition, but players will not face fines as penalties for on-field indiscretions. So it goes on to talk about how if a player is reported for wrestling, etc., they won't be fined. There'll be other penalties because mm. of the pay gap, yes. <laughs> essentially. But the most They'll lose demerit <laughs> points. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the most interesting point to me <laughs> was this uh, was this line: the sensitivity of the chest area is also taken into account and will be classed as high or sacrosanct, just like the head and groin is with men's MRP matters. <laughs> For starters, they can't even bring themselves to say breast or boob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a ra- rather vague chest area. Mm. But it just does not... I had to check that the date wasn't April 1st. Do you know what? When you're reading this out, I am picturing that that photograph that is circulating the um, internet at the moment of <laughs> Donald Trump behind the <laughs> desk in the White House surrounded by seven other um, male members of cabinet and government as they're signing that... Um, Anti-abortion education yes. bill. Yes. Like, to me, it just does seem like... Were any women or female footballers asked about this? Or maybe women were. I'm not sure about female footballers, whether this is a huge area of concern. Yeah. Because while we're at protecting, you know, sensitive areas of the body, <laughs> if you've ever had, like, the inside of your bicep pinched, that's really sensitive or, like, behind yes. your ears pretty sensitive yes. or, um, you know, the side of your knees pretty sensitive. Let's just do a full body sensitivity test test, <laughs> and we're going to play badminton. <laughs> but it just – it kind of reminded me of that ridiculous article that Graham Corns wrote last oh. year about how do they take chest marks. I mean – it, they're just going on this <laughs> assumption that because women have mm. breasts, yeah, that they must be vulnerable to <laughs> contact. But I'm sorry, like a, a whack in the boobs, not <laughs> incapacitating, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um. <laughs> but it's also it's also not a thing. I no, don't it's think not I've a thing. I've ever seen anyone deliberately hit someone else in the no, I no, I don't think it's a thing. I think now they've made it a thing. They've made it a thing. Um, no, it's not a thing. But I, part of me thought, are they perhaps preempting what they think might occur? So they're just creating all these rules um, in anticipation. Um, you know, like sometimes something will pop up in the MRP or someone will bite someone or what a horrible things happening in rugby. And yeah. then they have to go back and say, actually, it's illegal to punch someone in the anus. <laughs> <laughs> or pressure points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pressure points. Yeah. yeah. So then they have to like pre, they have to go back and kind of, you know, change the rules, but they can only um, penalise that person based on the rules that are already in place at that period, in that period of time. I don't know. To me, it just reeks of, you know, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Like, did it, was there a meeting that went for too long and too yes. many people got to speak and then this got minuted um, and then suddenly it's a press release and, you know, hashtag nipple cripple is yes. now going around. Look, I, you know, have played football for a number of years. I've played it while breastfeeding mm. and – I've not found this to be a problem. No. I wasn't physically breastfeeding while I was <laughs> While you're feet. playing, no. But um, 
Yeah, I don't think it's a thing. But God bless whoever wants to protect. <laughs> protect the breast. Protect the breast. Hashtag boob rule. God bless the breast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so a, um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a chat with Collingwood rookie Kate Sheehan. Yeah, we did in another immaculate home. It was. And they just moved house too and it was still immaculate. Yeah, I don't. I think um, I think a few players are setting a standard that number one fan, Meg Mac, is not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Kate was taken as a rookie selection mm-hmm. for Collingwood. Um, you might know her surname. She's the daughter of Mike Sheehan, um, long-time football journalist, sports journalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kate um, has a really interesting story, as you're going to hear about, how she's come to be on a Collingwood list. And, um, yeah, listen along. Here's Kate. Well, we're joined by Kate Sheehan today, uh, Collingwood rookie. Thanks for having us, Kate. Thanks for having me, girls. Now, we usually start with some warm-up questions. Far away. Okay, so uh, who did you grow up barracking for? Hawthorne. Hawthorne. And who was your your footy idol as a kid? I was obsessed to the point of being stalkerish on Dermot Brody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dermy. Yeah. That's the first Dermy. Yeah. Got. Absolutely loved him. In fact, every article that was in the newspaper, I would cut out and laminate and contact. That's how, like, because they couldn't get wrecked, they couldn't get ripped, um, and on my walls. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> and. Um, this is often a difficult question, but what is it about football that you love? I'd, I'd, I don't know if I know why I love it, because I just always had it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like as a kid, absolutely. it's all that was in my house the whole time. Mm. Um, Dad, he comes up a lot in conversations, but it's just because that's been um, a huge factor in my life. And he was mainly working in footy it wasn't crossing all sports and so it was obsession it was seven days a week um we didn't take holidays through winter because dad was always working and there was people around at the house all the time so we just had footies around we had footy on tv it was it was just everywhere and i i didn't get to 12 and go oh my my friend at school likes footy and i start liking footy like i just that's all i knew Mm. so i that's all i knew it's all i loved it's what I grew up with. I, I I wasn't a tennis player that fell into footy at fifteen. I was a footballer that got kicked out of footy at fourteen. Mm, that's a common story. <laughs> yeah, that's you know reading stories about Daisy or Darcy. I was listening to your podcast last night. It's the same across the board. Everyone played. They played with the boys, and then it got to the point where you couldn't play anymore. Mm. And I'm older than most of these girls. So for me, there was absolutely no pathway back mm. when I was 14. I turned 35 on Monday. So that's what, 20 years ago. Mm. God, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to come up against these 22 year olds? <laughs> um, so yeah, it was pretty devastating. Um, not having that avenue of being able to pursue something you love and something that you're passionate about. Like I loved other sports and I grew up playing a lot of basketball. I played uh, rep basketball for the Spectres and, you know, that was – I was really loved that but got to a point when I was 11, uh, I was playing for the Spectres and playing under 13s and coach told me I was fat. Um, yeah, and I remember thinking if this is what it's about, 
it's not for me because I'm 11 years old and, you know, I haven't even gone through puberty yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- think some of those experiences set you up for for life. Mm. Um, and I, I, I think the thing about footy and basketball was when I played it, I was free. I didn't think. I didn't overthink. And I'm a bit of an overthinker. Wayne, the head coach at Collingwood, <laughs> knows this very well. <laughs> but I don't... I, <clears throat> I like to be out there and get lost in it, and that's what I think footy does for me. I don't realise that I'm on a track at eight thirty at night and want to vomit. You don't think <laughs> I don't think how hard that is. It just it's what it is, yeah. and I love that about it. So your your story is unique in how you've ended up on an AFL list. Your story of how you missed out on a lot of footy isn't unique unfortunately but you must be pinching yourself now that after having it taken away from you that now not only are you back playing footy you're back playing footy with arguably the most famous club so can you tell us a bit about how you got onto the list i was wanting to get involved in footy from a a working point of view for a while now Mm -hmm. i with the league starting up and the girls Becoming more prominent, there was definitely space for it. So I'd been in, you know, had a few talks with people at the AFL and um, I'd put a few presentations together around female sport and and where it should be going and based on some research I did at uni. And they got copies of that. We'd had some chats with a few people at the AFL and and just out of the blue nowhere. uh, Playing did not cross my mind. The only thing that crossed my mind in regards to playing was how devastated I was that I wasn't going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I was really, um, I was thinking about this last night. I couldn't even watch those exhibition games because mm. I was so pissed off. I was like, <laughs> what? like they get to do it, you know, yeah. and I, I didn't get to do it. So I didn't watch much of it. I didn't really want to know much about it because I was just, I was just dirty. Um, it's a selfish way to look at it, but that's how I felt. And then, yeah, just out of the blue, April this year, um, Simon Lethling, I was coaching, I was on court and I'd, I'd met with Lethers oh, about a week earlier and all of a sudden I get this um, email and I shouldn't be checking my phone when I'm coaching. Don't wrong, but <laughs> I was like, why is Lethers emailing me? So I was like, oh, let's pick up some balls. We'll have a drinks break here. And I'm reading it and I swear to God, I nearly vomited. I was like, he's kidding. Like he's, he doesn't, like, why are they sending me this? I knew he was sending it for a reason, but I didn't quite know why or what they were planning or what they were cooking up behind the scenes because they're pretty cheeky, those guys, <laughs> and I sort of know them pretty well. <laughs> anyway, I wrote back and I said, what are you talking about? And then five minutes later, I got a text from Gillen. Yeah. Are you going to play in the new league? Yeah. And I, I was like, what are, what are they doing? But I did know that they had their first... Um, uh, the talent combine no no they had a, a meeting that night and I knew they were having a meeting it was their first female advisory board meeting uh, and I yep. knew it was that night mm. and I thought they're all together <laughs> and I know that Gillen and, and Lethers are really tight and I know that they both knew I could play and they knew me well like I was Gillen's tennis coach um, He, we, we knew each other well so anyway I thought oh, they're just baiting me but I got really excited <laughs> and I was like, oh, what do I do? So anyway, the next day, I actually wrote back to Gillen, really? I didn't even say hi, I just wrote really, dot, dot, dot. 
And he's like, I'm serious. And I didn't reply. <laughs> I thought Trina mean Keegan King. <laughs> it's the CEO of the AFL. Yeah. If you can do that. <laughs> and then, then, then I think it was either that night or the next day, it was a women in footy lunch. And I'd already been invited to that uh, through a, a mate of mine at the AFL. And um, Simon Lethlene messaged me at like 9.30. And he's like, are you coming tomorrow? I thought, what? I was like, I'm being bombarded here by some really important people. <laughs> so I went to the lunch and... They came up and spoke to me again and we got a pretty sort of um, matey relationship and and Gillan's like, oh, you passed it anyway. You probably couldn't play anymore. <laughs> and I was, I, I'm pretty competitive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I'll show you. He's like, you're probably not fit enough either. Oh. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you are a bit old. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, I thought, but I knew, I knew they wanted me to play because I'd heard a few people had met, had said that Gil had mentioned my name a few times. So um, I'd had some pretty serious injuries in the year before that and I thought, I don't think, I don't know where I'm at with those. I don't know how that will, um, I don't know if I'll be in a position to play. So I went to my doctor and luckily it was, my my doctor is Bruce Reed, so he's the Essendon club doctor. And I said to him, I walked in and he dealt with some pretty, um, you know, stressful injuries with me the year before and I said so Bruce um I've been asked to consider playing in the new women's league he's like what (laughs) I said yeah what do you think he goes are you serious I said yep I said Bruce you know me like I this is what I've always dreamed of he said look you won't end up in a wheelchair but I'm not going to stop you I said it's good enough for me (laughs) (laughs) And then I went to the physio and she said, I think she was quite pleased that I had this goal because it was going to fast track the rehab a bit. Like the rehab was pretty tedious and hard. And she said, look, I don't know, but let's give it a crack. So these were two people who had been spent a lot of time with me in the past 12 months. And all of a sudden I was uh, rehabbing and getting stronger and feeling really good. And I thought I can do this. Um, and then Carlton called me and said, we want to meet with you. And I went down there and I spent a bit of time down there and did some um, training with uh, Lauren Arnell, a great Falcon girl, mm. and Dennis Arnfield. And I learned, I learned a bit from them. They were terrific. Uh, that didn't eventuate, didn't end up. But looking back now, I'm really happy where I am and how it ended up at Collingwood. Couldn't be happier at Collingwood. They've, um, they've been really supportive of me really encouraging they've put up with a, a bit I had a niggling knee which um, I needed surgery on just before pre-season started and they've been really patient uh, and accommodating so yeah I'm, I'm wrapped to be at the biggest footy club in the country mm-hmm. so those that have read anything about you in the media know that you've got a six-year-old son and there are a couple of girls in the league that have children we know that you know lots of male footballers have kids and they would rarely get asked uh, how they balance fatherhood and playing. Yeah, but true. I imagine that that's probably a line of questioning that you get not just from the media but just from everyone. Yeah. Um, how are you finding that and how's that, how's that going? I didn't think before I started it would be too much of a problem mm. but I am noticing uh, things a little more sort of three months into it. For instance, when Will, my son's name's Will, when he's sick, he wants his mum. Mm. And if I'm not here or I'm not available, it makes it harder. Um, 
there is a definitely a different bond between a father and a son and a mother and a son or a mo- or sorry children and parents you know yeah. and they really need their mums when they need their parents but they particularly want to go to their mum mm-hmm. um and just juggling it all i i find myself i put a lot of guilt on myself for when i'm not around or if he's missing out or if he's at after so he's in he was in prep in 2016 2017 he's going to grade one there's that guilt of you know three nights a week i'm at footy training so i don't see him from 7 30 in the morning till the next morning mm-hmm. and the guilt kills you yeah i think it kills most parents but it particularly affects me mm-hmm. yeah uh, can i ask on on the flip side of that how um how excited is he at the prospect of you yeah. playing footy and him getting to watch you well the, the positives around it are all of a sudden he's got a female role model yeah. sports role model in his life and not just me take take his mum aside i as if two years ago or even 18 months ago anyone was to know or idolize a female footballer mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden he spots mo <laughs> and he knows Mo and he's like, there's Mo. And that I think that's awesome. Yeah. And he wants to wear Mo's number. <laughs> I've said that's a no-no. <laughs> You're going to be the only kid in the country with 24 on your back, so you're wearing it. <laughs> so um, everyone's going to wear 23, which is Mo's number. And, and I get that, and that's awesome. But he's really proud. He's, he's speaking like a little boy to speak about women's footy and be proud of it. Yeah. So he goes to primary school and he has been telling lots of people, my mum's playing in the AFL. Mm. And he wears the AFL women's cap to school and, you know, little things like this, which I just didn't ever see happening Mm. in my time and let alone involving me. Mm. And I went to a few, um, I actually went to the Women in Footy lunch two years ago and I heard, I reckon it was a girl from Perth, I can't remember her name, and she was speaking and the excitement and passion in her voice. And I, again, I just felt... I felt like I was missing out and I felt a bit empty, mm. but now I don't. Now I, I'm just really happy to be involved. At, however that translates, I'm just involved in a sport I love. Mm. And I could be standing in the street kicking the footy for an hour and a half and not even know that time's going. Mm. Whereas you put me on a tennis court and I can, I can feel it ticking over. Like I love tennis, I really do, and I don't want it to seem like I don't. But I, I find that I get lost in footy mm. and I think that's really good for Will to see me so passionate. He's, he lives with elite athletes, so he's sort of used to that. But now he's seeing his mum do it and I think that's a really good um, thing for a little fella to, to see their mums as professional athletes mm. in a male-dominated sport. Mm. But also following, following your passion as well. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I really wanted him to love footy. But you can't force your kids. No. <laughs> but just just watching me do what I do and with a smile on my face, and it's never a chore to go to training. It's never a chore to sit on the floor and do stretching or eat well. And he's just learning those habits because I'm doing them out of love, not out of um, being forced to do it. You are part of this whole new cohort of female role models that are coming out of the AFLW League. Like... I feel like these are role models that kids will be able to look up to that we've never seen before. Like like people like Mo, who has a particular look yeah. um, that you know wouldn't we wouldn't say a year ago would have been a role model. That you know the way that um, you know the tats and so on. Um, you coming back to the well, 
getting a good shot at the sport yeah. um, in your thirties with a you know as a mother um, and lots of other girls. You know, all the girls look have a different look about them. They're all strong and powerful, and there's just so many of them. It's not going to be like you know one. You had one person to look up to. You know, if you ask someone who's a who's a female basketballer. And they'll say, Lauren Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first one that came to mind. Aaron Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who's the third one? And then, you know, there's silence. There's yeah. not going to be, well, I'm hoping there's not going to be just that one person. There's this whole cohort. Yeah, I think people can already reel off. You know, you mm-hmm. Katie Brennan, Stacey Pierce, Taylor Harris, Mo Hope, um, Emma King. Like, you know, I don't know. I, uh, to be brutally honest, I don't know a hell of a lot about the AFL women's vfl league i'm learning as i go but i already can reel these names off and i know what position they play and i know what club they came from and it's exciting to watch them and they've got their own brands now like last night katie brennan's on an ad for priceline Mm -hmm. i mean look like how awesome's that yeah it's just it's cool and daisy's the face of nab and um Mo's Nike, like as mm. if Nike would ever have given sponsorship to a female footballer yeah. 12 mm. months ago. Yeah. She's got her name on her boots. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's a whole new world. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I, because I think we all probably, I'm speaking for you, Julia, sorry, but had a, probably a similar experience. I remember the day I realised I'd never get to play for Carlton and I was probably seven years of age or something and I cried for days. But... You know, the new normal is that girls at seven years of age, they know now that they can play AFL footy. And I think that's where the significance of this league comes in. Absolutely. We're talking about role models, but not just girls, for boys as well. Mm. Yeah, I um, was somewhere, uh, we were out for dinner the other night, and this little, my, my dad said to me, oh, this little girl's a Collingwood supporter. And I was like, oh, well, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't click. And she's looking up at me because she knew I played for Collingwood, mm-hmm. but I'm not used to that. I'm not used to someone looking up mm-hmm. at me and going, you play football. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, and, it, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, so you like you play footy? And she's like, no, my daddy won't let me. I said, you come and tell your daddy to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, had this look like I had the look when I used to look at Dermot. <laughs> and I'm we, <laughs> don't laugh at that. <laughs> And I remember thinking, holy cow, like, this is cool. Yeah. Someone's looking up at me. Mm. Uh, I mean, Will does that all the time, but more because he wants to hit me because I'm giving him something he doesn't want. Mm. <laughs> but it was really um, – it took me by surprise. I was a bit – like, I thought Dad was setting me up, mm. but he wasn't. This is how it is now. So now that you're in club land and you're in this kind of AFL system, what has surprised you the most? The girls' knowledge. The girls, when the, the questions, it's really technical. I did not expect it to be as um, game, like the game stuff, the game plans, to be as intricate and technical as what they are. Mm. And it's great. And it shows me what the youth girls are learning and what's currently happening at VFL level. Um, and the answers that the girls come up with are are just awesome. Like, I, I was really surprised. I thought it'd be more free play. I thought it'd be more, you know, you have your, your forward line structure and your back lines and your mids and then you just play. Mm. But it's not like that. No. So there's big, been a big learning curve for me. Just learning, not it, it's not an understanding of what's happening but more the terminology around it. So if they use a word, I have to then figure out what context that's in. 
So that's been a challenge for me. Mm. But again, the learning has been um, awesome because mm. I can use that in my own work anyway. Mm. Um, and I find that oh, I'm a tennis coach, so you know, I said to our, I said to Wayne, our coach, I was talking about. We were talking about um, we were watching the tennis and in. WTA, which is women's tennis, a coach can go on the court of a change of ends and talk to the player. And we were talking about that the other night at the Sydney International and we were saying, um, me and one of my teammates, Lauren, everyone calls her Tossa, I'm sure you all know who she is, um, we were saying that there was too much information given to the athlete on a change of ends. Like, we are highly involved in the situation, really emotional, you can't give too much information to the athlete. And so that was a topic of discussion based around coaching. Mm. Uh, and so it's nice to be able to have those discussions and at a high level, at a high performance level mm. in your own environment. Mm. Where do you hope to be playing? <laughs> I hope to be playing full stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is the number one goal. Mm. I had an interrupted pre-season, which was incredibly frustrating but it's just what it is and so I'm hoping yeah I'm in full training at the moment um and I'd love to be playing in the forward forward line uh keep those goals yeah and Mo's been Mo's been great really helping we've chatted a lot and she's she's a really smart smart footy person she really gets it and I I made a bit of a beeline to her because She's, she will be um, the biggest figure in our forward line. And that's and so she should be. What, she kicked 104 goals last season? Like, yeah. stats don't lie. So being able to pick her brain and get her to tell me where she wants me to be in relation to where she's going to be is really important. And, and cutting off the angles and, and just um, how to work the girls. Yeah. Um, so we did, we've spent a bit of time together doing that. And I've been really um, happy with some of the leaders at our club who have supported me and, and like Steph Chochi's been amazing. She's just really taken me under her wing and been really supportive and encouraging and um, Alicia Eva, she's been really mm. awesome mm. too. Mm. Um, and Bree White mm. who's, oh no, I feel like we're similar age so we get each other and the other night we were doing a, a drill and I didn't execute what I wanted to, but I managed to maintain possession and, and cause a, um, another stoppage. And she came up to me and she's like, that's exactly what, you know, you want to do if you can't get rid of the ball, you want to maintain it. And just those little positive reinforcements help um, to build your confidence and know that you're heading in the right direction. So, yeah, been really lucky with those girls. And wherever the coaching staff choose to put me or whether they choose to give me a game, um, now, before I started, I was like, nah, put me in the forward line. I want to kick goals. But now I'm like, just put me in the team. <laughs> so, to be honest, I don't know where I'll play, but def- probably forward line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it will be very exciting to see you down there because Mo definitely, lots written about her, but she can, she's a great lead up forward. She can take the mark, but she can, she can do the groundwork as well. So, it's a good person to be at the feet of to learn from. Yeah. Mm. She's, she's really switched on. Mm. I think that's why she's such a superstar because it's not just her look and it's not her skills, but she mm. knows what she's doing mm. in life. You know, she, you, that Australian story, every, everyone spoke about it, but it really is a testament to her being one of 14 kids. 
she looks after her sister, she runs or she, she has a job, she's now the face of this game. It's a lot to take on in a short space of time to go from being a local footballer and a carer um, to a sewer superstar. Mm. And she's, she's handling it pretty well, I reckon. It's a, it's a big stress, I would have thought. So has this experience so far, has it, has it wet the appetite? Are you thinking of staying in football post this season? Yeah, absolutely. Getting involved in the VFL? Yeah. Um, the only problem for me is family commitments and mm. this is really cut into a lot of our time, mm. um, which we're all happy to do and prepared to do. But then going through winter and I've lost five days of my week in work mm. um, because footy training is after school and that's when my work is. Mm. So I've made a sacrifice uh, to work less for this and I want it to translate into some more permanent work in football. Mm. Um, however that eventuates, I'm not sure, but, yeah, I'd love it to uh, to become more permanent. Mm. You, when, when you're passionate about something, you want to work in it and I think a lot of the girls are. Asta was saying on a podcast last night that, all of a sudden, all these people are ringing you for a job. <laughs> I can imagine if you know someone in footy, their phone is going off the hook. Yep. I would hate to be Josh Vandaloo right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, get lost. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love that too. I don't know um, what club, I would, what local club I would be involved with. I think it will come back to that culture mm. and, and proximity to work and home. Mm. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask that because I was, I was looking at your Instagram feed. Yeah. And I noticed a photo with Diesel. Yeah. What What's what's the best bit of advice he's given you? He taught me a handball um, technique, which yeah. he said even AFL boys don't know about. Wow. Yeah. And it's really helped. Probably given me 10 metres on my hand pass. Yeah, wow. wow. And I the one thing I've noticed is girls don't hand pass much. Mm. It's, it's, but it's a bit of kicking. Um, mm. Sorry, it's... A lot more kicking than hand passing, yep. but I love hand passing. Mm. I find it. I find it, trouble. Yeah, and it's one of my best skills. So, mm. how I get that into our game, I don't know. But mm. he was really good with that. Um, I think he was slightly surprised at where I was at. With I ran into him at an MVP, the AFL Players MVP Awards in September, and he said, "I was." I went with Dad, and he said, "Oh, Shane, I uh, heard your daughter got taken by Collingwood." And Dad's like, yep. And then I walked out of the toilet and he's like, oh, so what do you like? I said, I'm all right. <laughs> he's like, you want some help? I said, if, we, if you're offering, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I followed up the next day and sent him a text message and said, um, you know, are you still interested in doing this? He's like, absolutely. So I went and met him at Windy Hill and the first we started kicking and after about four kicks he's like, Right, um, might have to rethink what I was going to do because I genuinely think he thought he was going to have to teach me how to hold the ball. Yeah, right. Mm. Mm. And he realised that he had to maybe advance it more and then he was telling me that the things that he was talking to me about, he's actually, he's down at Essendon now, spends three days a week down there with mm. his mid, the midfield group and he said he's talking to me about the stuff he's talking to them about. So I yeah. take that as a real compliment. Yeah. Mm. I, I'm not, I'm pretty happy with my skills. Um what I need to get better at is the game sense stuff, which will come with more practice. So he's been awesome and Mm. gave me a lot of confidence, working with Luke Power as well over summer. 
um, that was that was great because Luke and I grew up playing together and he and his brothers got me down to Ball and Football Club. So that's where I played my junior footy and I, I don't remember seeing a girl and I was the only girl in the competition as far as I knew. Um, and, yeah, the Power Boys had a, a big say in my footy upbringing. We'd spend every summer holidays together down at Sorrento and train in the morning at the Oval and down to the beach in the afternoon. And so those sort of things are the good memories of mm. my childhood. Mm. What we didn't tell you before the beginning of this interview, which is probably why we found the Greg Williams story so interesting, is that we are both Carlton supporters. Ah. Um, so we do wish you well on round one. Yeah. <laughs> we wish you personally well. <laughs> but we want to kick your ass. <laughs> so at the end of the day, we want a good game. Come with my point. <laughs> <laughs> well, Diesel told me he'd come. Oh, yes, right. and he told me he would support Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's against every moral fiber <laughs> in his body. Yeah, but I think he will really. He he's been great. He's checking up on me, sending me text messages, mm. and it's really awesome knowing these men are really interested in in this product. Mm. Um, Carlton supporters, you are. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Mark McClure? Oh, yeah, I know Sellers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we were having dinner with him the other night and the first thing he said to me with a big smile on his face is, how's footy going? Yeah. And he's a big, burly dude mm-hmm. and, you know, he's a real man. Mm-hmm. And it's not, oh, how's the footy? It's, I'm genuinely interested. I'm really excited for you girls. And it's a nice feeling. It's mm-hmm. a nice feeling when these men who have played AFL can appreciate what you want to get out of what they got out of their sport yeah. and you and we get to follow our dreams now as much as they did and they can see the excitement in us mm. and Diesel even said to me I wish some of the young AFL footballers had the same excitement and passion that, that you have yeah yeah it's a unique position that they, these girls and women are in in that you know they're all relishing it because suddenly it's something you never thought you were going to get and now you've got it. Yeah. Um, so every little thing is being, you know, appreciated. Whereas perhaps if you were just a young, talented footballer, a lad, you go into that junior system, you get picked up, you go TAC Cup. Like there's such an inevitability about exactly. your life. Yeah. Um, it's a given. Mm, yeah. And yet for the girls it's not. And that's why every everything is so appreciated. Mm. I was talking to one of the AIS boys over summer. With the, I think it's called the Academy, mm. the AFL Academy. And I said about Diesel. And he goes, oh, who are you talking about? And I said, Greg Williams. He goes, yeah, um, who's that? I said, he won two Brownlows and he's a premiership player for Carlton. I said, if there's one piece of advice I can give you, love what you do. Immerse yourself in it. Be passionate about it. Be obsessive about it because you will learn more from the stars than you will being in a training session because we learn through viewing, not so much by being told. And I feel like it's in every sport. It's not just footy, but a lot of the young kids today are just waiting for information to be given to them rather than um, going and watching games and learning off. Like my kicking style Someone said to me down down the beach, they said, who taught you how to kick? I said, no one. Mm-hmm. All I did was watch Darren Jarman <laughs> kick to Jason Dunstall. Yeah. And all I wanted to do was kick like him. So I'd just copy him. 
Mm. And that's where my kicking style came about. And I feel like my best kick is when I kick around the corner. Because mm. he had that kick where he'd be running straight and Dunstall would come on the 45 and hit him on the chest. Mm. And that's just what I did. No one. I never went to a footy clinic. I never went to a coaching session where someone said, hold the ball like this and drop the ball. I just mm. did it. But that was because I loved it. I watched footy all the time. Mm. And I said that to my tennis players. If you really want to be good at this, you gotta you got to watch it. I don't think that happens enough these days. No. No, definitely not. And even just knowing, um, this is going to sound silly, but knowing the rules and the intricacies of the rules, you know. We often get girls who, who are quite skilled but who start playing but who give away freeze because they haven't watched enough footy to see when the dumb freeze mm. get given away. They just do those things. They're the being on the mark. Being on the mark. They run through the mark. Yep. They forget to be on the mark. They yep. run through it. They don't hand the ball back. They yep. chuck it on the... Like, just basic. Yeah. But if you watch enough footy, you know, you know not to yeah. do that. Yeah. Like, I actually stuffed up early days in the first couple of sessions where I was... I think I was going on an angle on the mark and Bree White came up to me and said, no, no, you've got to stay mm. on the line. Yeah. And it was just little things that mm. I'm processing at a different speed to them because mm. that's automatic for them, mm. whereas I really have to think about it. Mm. Um, but they're the things that it's, you know, they're the little things that will make a team work well if you don't mm. stuff up. Yeah, yeah. Do all the one percenters. Yeah. And do them well. That's yeah. right. But oh. if you've watched football, as soon as I'm imagining Whitey comes and says, no, 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 you've got to stay on the line, you go, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, I do have to stay on the line. Yeah. Instead of perhaps going, well, why do I have to stay on the line? Yeah. I don't understand. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know, it's a general It was reminder. just that when I was playing basketball, you didn't yeah. have to, you just, you know, you could yeah. get in their face. You can't get in their face. You've got to, mm. you've got to respect the mark mm. and, yeah. Um, yeah, little things like that. But, yeah, I think... Uh, a lot of little girls growing up now will have that avenue. Mm-hmm. And I think there'll be a, still be a period of time where parents don't want their kids to play, don't want their girls to play. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened to me. My mother didn't want me to play. She was adamant against me playing. Mm-hmm. And I played and I said, well, I'm going to play. And she didn't support it. She didn't take me to training. She didn't take me to games. She didn't buy me my footy boots and she didn't wash my gear. Mm-hmm. She said, if you want to do this, I'm not helping and I defied her and I did it. And look where it's got to me now. Mm. Um, so sometimes bucking the system's not a bad thing. Mm. I think that's a very good point to end on. Yep. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kate, for meeting with us. Um, your story is just so fascinating. I think that there are so many women around Australia that are like, oh, I'm doing it next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to her happened to me and I'm in. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for meeting with us. Yep. Thanks for having me, girls. Thanks. <laughs> well, what a great um, interview that was with Kate Sheehan. I can't wait to uh, to see her in action round one. Yeah, we saw her out there yesterday. Yes. Getting a few hip and shoulders. Yes. She was a bit um, of a welcome to footy kind of few nudges and bumps along I, the way. I did get the sense that um, perhaps her opponent was... Mm. It, with each chip and shot, was saying, this ain't tennis. Tennis <laughs> yeah. is across the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to footy. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but it was it was good. She did well. Yeah. And she survived. Good mm. luck, Kate, with the, with your season. Mm. So, just a couple of days away now, which game are you most looking forward to? Oh, just the first game. I'm obviously looking forward to the whole weekend. There's three games in Melbourne. But um, Friday night, Carlton Collingwood, Princess Park – 
you know, it's going to be like 1975 again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't think they had Friday Night Footy then. Yeah, just be just so excited for that game. Um, and then... And to, and to really see perhaps how it's going to change from the practice matches. I think we've mm. already you know, seen a lot of good footy. Um, and it's only been two games. But now, are the, you know, the stakes are higher. They're playing for points now. I don't think there's going to be as much experimentation with where we're putting girls. Uh, yeah. You know, yep. people are going to be in their best positions. Well, with such a, a short season, mm. like you really want to get off to a, a good start. You really want to get a win round one. Yeah, because... Yes, it is a short season. There's only seven games, mm. so every four points it will be so hard to claw back. Yep. You know, if you if you start behind. So there's that game. There's the Western Bulldogs Freo, Freo game. Oh, I'm intrigued about that game. Yep. Yeah. Perhaps a, a player we've spoken to uh, was pretty happy about that game because at least one. Those teams will have a loss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After the first first game, perhaps indicating that those two teams are teams anticipated to, to be mm-hmm. quite strong. Mm. So that's Saturday night at Witten Oval. We've got another game Saturday afternoon. Is that right? Um, and so the Adelaide Crows are playing GWS also on Saturday afternoon, and then we finish off round one with Melbourne playing Brisbane. They're all going to be interesting games, but I think the most important thing: get to a game. Oh vote, yeah, definitely. Vote with your feet. Yeah. Support support our our players and and fill the stadiums. Yeah, definitely. Look, if you're in Melbourne and you've got no excuse, the three mm. games are on three different days. Yeah. You'll be able to to get to well, I don't know your particular situation, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they're on three different days. They're in the evening. Um, hopefully you can have a full day in a beer garden, not interrupting your last weekend of the school holidays and then get along to a game. The other thing is when you're coming along to a game, you might be wanting to uh, get to know the players in the teams. Yes. And um, someone by the name of Alison Vodka Smirn (laughs) has put together on the Change Her Game website some AFL team hubs that will really make that easy for you. I was using it yesterday at the... Well, I was using it at the practice match for Collingwood Bulldogs and it did make it easy. So if you go to changehergame.com forward slash Collingwood yeah, or, or Carlton um, or Adelaide or who, whichever team you're looking at, you get the team list up and you'll be able to search for them by their Guernsey number. So when number five gets the ball, you can see that it's Emma Carney for the Western Bulldogs and um, it does, you know, it does make it more interesting knowing who's out there and, um, you know, there's so many players to learn and uh, it it is all in one spot and makes it pretty easy than going to each individual website and trying to search through things. So that was that was that Alison must be pretty smart. Pretty yeah, I good. think she's uh, yeah she's pretty switched on. I think yeah yeah <laughs> she she knows what the fans want. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we uh, will reconvene after round one and we'll have if lot- we're still standing, if we still have a voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we will see you next time on this AFL Life. See ya.